You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today as a guest speaker, we have Carlos Echoa, founder and managing partner at Alpha Impact 8 Ventures. And this episode will mainly talk about immigrant founders, how they can start their companies in the Silicon Valley specifically, or just in the United States and what they need to have to prepare for this move. Because Carlos started his firm uh, in Mexico and then moved to US. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Carlos, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Alpha Impact 8 Ventures. Well, I'm, I'm really, thank you, Constantine. Um, uh, it's a great pleasure to be in this podcast. Always uh, happy to help. So first, uh, I'm originally from Mexico City. I was and raised in Mexico City, and I divide my career in two parts. The first part is as an entrepreneur. I building technology companies mainly. I started when I was 19. I started my first company when I was 19 and finished in early 2014 when I have a couple of exits. And that's the first part, my entrepreneurial side part. The second part is as an investor, a professional investor, because I, I might be angel investor before that. But I started in 2015 making early stage startup uh, investment. And uh, since that moment until now, I've been polishing that thesis to generate bigger, faster returns and more value for our companies. Also polishing the thesis to align it with my values and passions as well. So I love the underdog stories and I I am a huge proponent of diversity (laughs) and of improving human lives with technology. So uh, the evolution of my, let's say, investor as my investor career, uh, it's getting that idea more aligned with uh, what are my personal passions. And then that's where we got into what it's right now, Alpha Impact 8 Ventures. Uh, Alpha Impact 8 Ventures is a venture capital fintech investment uh, company. You can say it's an impact investment firm. Definitely we're looking for, for impact. And we're building the financial infrastructure in the US and Latin America, mainly for the underserved. When I say underserved in the US, it it turns out that it's a very small part of the population. But when I say underserved in emerging markets, it's almost everyone. And uh, we invest in fintech startups with a social purpose uh, that that are led by minorities or women. For us, diversity is very important. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the background of the company and, and myself. Got it. So before we move on to, you know, the uh, actual part of the episode to the, you know, part that's full of great advice and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth, I actually want to start with one of your favorite underdog stories because I personally love those. (laughs) So uh, can you tell us your favorite underdog story? Maybe it can be actually about you. Well, uh, you know, like I'm from a very humble background in Mexico City, kind of a bad neighborhood in Mexico City. If you actually you look at my neighborhood and, and even the street where I grew up, you will find that it, uh, it only makes the news when they killed a cop or something like that, right? Or <laughs> something that bad. So I believe that uh, for me, something very interesting is that I felt like an underdog all of my life. 
mainly because I was in great schools with great, you know, classmates. But most probably I was like the the less privileged guy in, in, in almost every every class that I took. So that actually kind of changed the, the, the way I, I've been looking at things. And uh, and I tried very hard when I was in college and, and I believe that I did some good things over there to be part of the club, to understand what was the club of the rich kids and how do you get into the business club or in their families and things like that. and. And that actually helped me scale the sales of my company, just understanding how you need to present that and and uh, and and just be part of uh, or be accepted into into those positions. But definitely my favorite story, it's uh, Edricius de la Cruz's story, which is the founder of one of our companies, um, of Arcus Financial Intelligence. So Edricio, he started his company mainly because uh, it's a bill payment company for you're able to to pay bills all around the world, originating that payment from either the US or, or, or domestic or somewhere else. And uh, so the interesting story is like, when he migrated, when he was eight years old, he was from Dominican Republic originally, he started working very, very early in life to start sending money, remittances to his family in Dominican Republic. And it turns out that they never paid the rent or, you know, like the services, water, electricity, things like that, or internet, or even the phone. So he was not able to speak with them. Um, so he created this company to solve exactly that problem. That you can be anywhere in the world and you're able to pay the bills from anywhere else in the world, right? And so the remittances, it doesn't need to be, or they don't need to be, just like cash that you will go to Western Union and take that out, but also you can pay for the services that your family or whoever you're sending this money is in, are enjoying and for those services as well, so you're able to communicate with them. And now he uh, has a great company where he went through Wharton, through Goldman Sachs. Now he's a founder and his company is worth uh, 100 mil. So that's my favorite under the favorite underdog story actually. That's a pretty good story. So here we now that we've learned about one underdog, let's move on and actually talk about the major you know, topic of this specific episode, which is immigrant founders. Roughly, uh, twenty percent of my listeners are not based in the United States, and one of the questions is, you know, what do I do? When do I move to the United States? That's probably the question that we want to that I want to start with. When should an immigrant? I mean, when should an outsider of the U.S. move to the U.S. at which point of their company? So if you're talking about the company, I believe that uh, you're able to move into Silicon Valley specifically when you reach the golden standard. So Slack famously scaled at a 5% weekly growth and set kind of like the standard for every other company. And uh, if you have those numbers, definitely you should move to Silicon Valley because you will receive all the attention, all the money, and everything that you need to actually create a unicorn, I believe, right? That, that, that's kind of like, don't come to Silicon Valley if your company is still like in idea stage or you don't have a real product to show for. Because, you know, the doors will be closed, mainly because of the stage that, uh, that you're at. Most of the of the funds here in Silicon Valley, they go for Series A. So that means that you will be raising around 10 mil 
something like that. And uh, you will have already achieved a little bit of product market fit. So you already have clients, you're already scaling. And if you're coming here is to help that scale worldwide, or let's say into the US, but very, very fast. The money that you will receive here doesn't necessarily doesn't need to go to kind of fix some of the things to onboard your clients, unless that onboarding will turn into a 10x in revenue or something like that. So if you have a company that is doing well abroad, just stay abroad, right? Don't come to Silicon Valley and don't come to the US. If you wanna come, it's because you have a world domination play company. <laughs> And you need a lot, a lot of money. And probably you're in Series A, that's okay. But the velocity and acceleration that you have or that you need, that's uh, something that you need to take into account. And if you need a lot of money to accelerate, but you already know that that's going to happen and you have the metrics to show for that, then come here. Not before that. Right. Perfect definition. And a lot of my speakers said, you know, uh, who have gone through the immigration said that, you know, if you have some real validation of uh, the fact that, you know, Americans specifically want to have your company in America, mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, a good signal can be a term sheet for an investor. That's good. Uh, yeah. But the best one is, you know, when you get into some sort of a program like, I know, if you get into YC, definitely, definitely move in. Uh, but... <laughs> and, and you have to, right? right if you get into right. YC. Or, you know, the other one that I really like is Alchemist. Alchemist Accelerator. That's my... I, I only recommend two accelerators, or let's say accelerator slash fund. And mm -hmm. it's Alchemist or Y Combinator. The, the work that we, they do with the companies is amazing. Uh, I, I, really, I, I really believe that that will actually accelerate what you're doing. And they will help you kind of uh, not only understand what market you're looking for, but help you exactly get into that market. So it's a lot of help. Right, right. That's true. Um, but, and by the way, I'll make sure to leave the link to that second exterior that you mentioned, because I think there is no need to leave a link in the description of this episode to why Combinator, because uh, pretty much, <laughs> I believe pretty much anyone in this field should know that. Um, but anyways, let's move on to the next topic and speak specifically about fundraising in Silicon Valley, specifically for the immigrants. Um, how should they start? How should they start a process? A lot of immigrants, when they just move in, you know, there might be they might have some traction, but they have no network. How should yeah. they approach this then? So the, you know, like Silicon Valley. It's, uh... It's very interesting. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a very interesting club, you know, like the investors is a very interesting club because what you need to do is kind of like start like building that network since the beginning before just, just moving here. And, and not even moving here, but if you're traveling even, don't come from for one week, come for five weeks or six weeks. Mainly because it's not about like a pitch or getting in front of the investor. It's about building a relationship with them because you are the expert in your company. You are the expert in your market, or you should be the expert in your market at least, right? So you need to actually evangelize and educate your investor. Because your investor, if you're coming, let's say, from Ukraine, right? <laughs> or from Turkey or from Mexico, the investor on the other side, they don't understand how's the market over there. What, what, are, what is kind of like, of like the business fabric that you have over there? And how will you be able to scale? Or what does it mean that you actually close one client or you have 100,000 users, for example? 
So you need to evangelize and educate us. So that will take some time. So come for six weeks, five to six weeks, have a lot of meetings, not only the pitch, but coffees, ask for him for advice. And uh, it's kind of, let's go and have beers and I would love to get your advice. So most of the good investors, if they see something that it's kind of interesting, but they're not ready to jump in as a, and invest, will say, okay, let's start kind of like, uh, give me more information, I can give you some advice, tell me a little bit more, yeah, let's go and have some beers, things like that. and and. And kind of socialize the idea before trying to go and, and trying to come and raise some money. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you need to learn kind of who's in front of you. Why should I invest in your company? Does it make sense with my portfolio? Does it make sense for me and my and how old is my fund? Does it make sense uh, with the return that I'm willing to give to the investors? Because I receive a lot of, you know, like decks and pitches and re requests for, for a meeting because they want to pitch, but they don't understand that it's not only about the money. It's it's about like uh, the whole ecosystem that you're building and the whole portfolio that you already have, and how you're able to help and the, and how you're able to synergize every company in your portfolio, every relationship that you make, and every relationship that the portfolio is bringing also to the table. So you need to do the homework first. Do that, start social, and then after the first, let's say three trips of six weeks, then probably you're ready to start coming and and uh, and, and fundraise. Once that you already kind of have the network, they already know you, they already understand what you're trying to do. And of course, you know, like if you know someone that is connected to this ecosystem, start there, definitely. Like. Uh, there's nothing as powerful as a referral or success. If you get a, you're super successful, come here, right? And uh, people will follow that success. But if you're not, and you're trying to, to become super successful, uh, just to start with referrals, people that should know you and understand what you're doing to do a referral for someone here, not for fundraising, but just like, hey, you should meet this founder. He's a great guy. I believe they are onto something, but yeah, just get into a call, 30 minutes, understand what they're doing and see if there's something for you. And, and then in that call, just ask for advice and then follow on on that advice. If one advice, if one investor slash advisor tells you something like, you should hire an MVP of product, the next time that you have a call with him it's or her, it's like, I already have the MVP of product and it's this and this and that, or something like that. Because then mm -hmm. they understand that you're serious and you're moving forward. So you need to do all that before actually try to come for a pitch, a real pitch. It's kind of socializing the idea, and that will take some time. I believe that it takes like eight to one, eight months, one year, to actually kind of build a network and then come. The cold calling thing, or yeah, you know, I, I receive a lot of founders and uh, Latin American founders that I say, yeah, you should come and see me, but then on Friday, one that your whole week is here, you're here here the whole week. So on Friday, I will explain what went wrong, right? And uh, and they say, yeah, I got a meeting with Andreessen Horowitz. And what did they say? Hey, come later or keep me posted, right? That's kind of like the the polite way of saying, yeah. no, I'm not interested, right? And what got wrong is that, of course, they come kind of in a cold call. They, they took the meeting because uh, probably they had the space or they have a kind of a small referral, but they will say that every time because they don't they don't know the founder. And it's, you know, like 
when I'm investing in one company, it's like I'm putting my money, right? I see it that way, and the money of my founders into a team, right? So I need to know this team. It will be very hard, like, oh, I don't know you. I don't understand what are your values. I don't understand who do you, where do you come from or what is what are your passions or, or why are you doing this and just invest it. It's about trust. And of course, the market technology, but I'm assuming that you already have that if you're willing to come, right? But it's about building that trust. And right. uh, definitely need to be like technology. You need to be onto something that is technology related so you're able to scale. If it's not technology related and you're not able to scale 5% of growth weekly, then you shouldn't probably come. Absolutely, good point. And here, I want to add personal note here in terms of referrals. A lot of cases where you know people from the same country where you just moved from, a lot of them are here in the United States, and you can just find you know those uh, chats of people from the same country as you are, and ask them you know, hey, let's meet for a beer or let's meet for coffee, and there you can grab some you know useful referrals that can lead to something other help, you know, something really helpful. Uh, but anyways, let's move on and talk about Carlos U and specifically Alpha Impact 8 Ventures. First of all, why is it called Alpha Impact 8 Ventures? I'm just curious now. <laughs> you know, like uh, it, it, the, the original name that I started upon was Chilango Ventures, that it's originally, Chilango means originally from Mexico City, but of course no one got it, right? <laughs> and uh, so we changed right. the name to something that was still doing something like that because i really believe that impact investing it 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 needs to to create wealth right and to create wealth for all the participants that's kind of like my definition of impact investing you're creating wealth for everyone and sometimes of course it's sustainability and environmental wealth but in my case it's social impact so we're creating wealth for all the participants so alpha because we're creating alpha definitely impact because we're an impact investing fund. And, uh, and the eight is very interesting because in Spanish, Ochoa, it's 8A, right? So the eight is over there. And also eight, it's a kind of the basis for all the computing that we have. And something that I was very impressed when I was young and I was uh, studying at college, uh, computer science and telecommunications, right? I was very impressed that you only need to sample the voice at eight kilohertz and then the brain will do the rest. So you only need to have like different pieces, just like little pieces of your voice. And if you actually listen to that, like very slowly, it sounds like a robot, it's kind of, you're not able to understand that. But the brain is powerful enough to kind of figure it out and you're listening just as a real conversation, right? And that's eight kilohertz. So I believe that the eight represents in that case, a perfect example of how technology and the human brain can work together and do something amazing like have cell phones, right? And communications around the world. So the eight is the technology part and of course my last name. Got it, perfect. All right, now I understood it. So um, let's talk about what you invest in. So what does Alpha Impact 8 Ventures invest in, in terms of uh, the deal stage and the field? So we, we, we're Kevin Fintech with social impact. That's what we're looking for. 
something that it's uh, building infrastructure, financial infrastructure for the underserved in mainly the Americas, you know, from Canada to the Patagonia. Uh, and that's a different definitions by country, but definitely we're, we're working on that. Right now with our companies, we have operations in, in countries in, in, in America. So that's very good for us. And that's what's one of the things that we were looking for and we're able to help with that. Uh, and in the state that we're looking for, it's kind of pre-Series A or Series A. So you're very close to Series A or you're already in Series A. I don't like the large Series A's. Uh, I prefer like small series A. So if you're thinking about like raising a small series A, but because you already have product market fit and you're scaling, it's kind of a very good fit for us. Or if you're in pre-series A, you already have your seat round and, you're, and you already raise a couple of million, then come to us and we can help you like scale to the next stage that is definitely series A because one of our things is we will give you a, a little bit of money, but we will work with you a lot the first 20 months. Because of my goal is kind of like have at least 50% of appreciation in, in, your, in your valuation in the next 12 months. And uh, that's my goal. So I will need to work with you and help you like scale that faster and able to achieve that goal and then be ready for Series A and, and have a very nice Series A. Mm -hmm. Got it, understood now. So, um... Let's talk a little bit more about this, you know, cross-border and, you know, U.S. and non-U.S. based companies. How many companies in the United States have you seen trying to expand actually to, you know, countries like Mexico or Canada or other, you know, nearby countries? So what I believe it's, uh, the companies, they don't come like naturally and say, oh, I should do this in Mexico or in Canada or Brazil, right? because they don't know the market. The only ones that are able to do that are the ones that, that actually understand the market. Uh, but then what we find is that some of the companies will find a better product market fit in different markets, mainly because the competition is not great over there, or actually there's no one doing that, right? Uh, because in the emerging markets, you will still have those opportunities. And also the incumbents are so far away from technology that they won't be able to actually like catch up with a, with a product that they're building. So we have seen that most of the companies definitely they would like to expand their market, but not all of the companies are ready to actually do what it's, uh, what it's needed. That it's kind of trick the product, open a real office over there and make that happen. So the way that we actually do it, it's uh, if we see that that's something feasible for the companies, we kind of do a tour with them in different markets. Right now will be easier, definitely with with uh, everything remote. <laughs> so we we talk to different potential clients in the in the region, and understand if there's a real product market fit or what we will need to do to actually do that and accelerate sales. So if some of the potential clients actually say, yeah, this sounds great, or yeah, I will need a little bit of a trick and I can jump in, then we can jump in. There's a very interesting statistic that it's. The U.S. companies, they receive in average only, the U.S. companies that are not technology companies, right? They receive only a bump in, in that it's 1% or 3% in the revenue from abroad. The technology companies, it's kind of like the other way around. And one example is Netflix, for example, right? Or, or Apple. But if you're a technology company, definitely you're, you are able to scale outside of the U.S., 
just you will need to understand where is the best place to do it and uh, and how to do it. If you haven't been to that market, definitely you will need a Sherpa, right? It is like trying to get into to the top of the Everest. You need a Sherpa, someone that understands what is the social and business fabric of that market and guide you to that process. Mm -hmm. Understood, got it. And how many companies have you seen actually succeed? You know, I've seen, okay, I haven't seen those personally, to be honest, but I've heard stories about, you know, companies uh, trying to expand specifically to Mexico because just literally like across the border, maybe six uh -huh. hour drive specifically from Silicon Valley or Los Angeles. Uh -huh because it's just so close. They're like, okay, you know, it's a new market. Let's try it. Have you seen many of those? And uh, if you have, how many have succeeded? You know, let, let me tell you just like the continue with Arcos story, right? So Arcos is, a, as I said, a bill payment company. And now what into bill payment transactions in Mexico, they pass through their API. So they're the second largest bill payment company in Mexico now. And they, it's a New York uh, based company. So that's a, one example. The other one is RTM. It's a kind of San Francisco born and raised company that now their headquarters are in Mexico City. And they actually, the largest markets that they serve are in South America, in Argentina, Venezuela, Mexico, and in the US. So there are different companies that are able to do it, but definitely the Sherpa thing it's needed. You need a partner to actually help you do that, to understand exactly how to to tap into those markets to, to scale. And then you have other other companies like uh, I've been speaking recently because now that we're all inside, uh, it's easier to get into different calls uh, with different FinTech companies in Silicon Valley from Synapse, right? To Stripe, to let's say like Series B and up that they're looking into Latin America, how to do it. And some of them are already there. And of course they're starting, but they will need kind of a lot of money to, to go through the process unless they hire someone that understands the fabrics and, and uh, or have like the right partnership. So what I believe is that some of them, definitely Stripe will be successful, right? I believe that signups will be successful, definitely. And I believe that uh, they need to, to actually, now they're doing the right stuff, like hiring someone that understands the market and, and help them guide over there. Because one of the mistakes that they used to make was hiring someone from the US and give them just that assignment. Go mm -hmm. and open a different market, right? When, you know, like the people that they hired probably never made business somewhere else outside of the US. Right. So you need someone that can help you guide you over there. And they're doing amazing things, you know, like uh, I will tell you something like Uber, for example, their largest markets are Sao Paulo and Mexico City. So Do you say Uber? Uber? Uber, like the, the car. The... Yeah, the car sharing. Well, Seriously? Uh -huh. Oh, nice. I never thought that. And, and, you know, like those cities like Mexico City and Sao Paulo, just in Mexico City, you have over 20 million people. Like the that the average income, it's uh, they outturn, you know, like the 20 million people that live over there, they outturn the average income in the US, right? So you have a very nice place to go and try out things. Of course, it's a little bit different, you know, culturally, business wise, etc. But if you think that you have something that 
but it's for let's say a large population probably you can test it out it's over there it will be cheaper definitely uh, you will it, of course it's not like that straightforward but you will be able to test it out and and, and understand if what is kind of or like the income that you need and uh, if you're able to get into of the 20 million people how many of them are able to buy some things and you have you will have like real world metrics that have that price the same thing with Sao Paulo right? mm -hmm. then, got uh, it that's so actually it, no keep, keep going so so definitely and and someone that is very keen to actually do that are the Asian companies you know like the real competition in in Mexico for Uber of course it's Cabify that it's a Spanish company but it's Didi Didi it's already in Mexico and in Latin America because they don't understand how to serve emerging markets right so the asian companies that they were born in china right or in india they already born in emerging markets so they will try to move to the next emerging market to make it happen so they're not only investing heavily into doing their businesses over there but also they're investing into acquiring companies and uh, create an ecosystem that they can uh, be the winners, right? Uh, in those ecosystems. So, right. That's super interesting. I never thought Uber had, you know, such a presence in Mexico. That's that's really cool. But here we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So, what's the one thing you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? So I will give you two calls, two calls for action items. One, it's uh, just getting to Vimeo and Carlos Ochoa BC. Uh, there's a kind of, uh, there's a video that it's uh, eight tips for exponential growth that it will cover most of the things that we spoke right now, about right now. And the other thing is go and make a sales call. Definitely get a different client, a new client for your company that will make you feel good and inspired and, uh, and get your company into the next stage. Perfect call to action. Perfect. And I'll make sure to leave all those links mentioned in the episode in the description of this episode. And uh, my personal call to action, you might be not surprised by that because it's the same over the past, I know, 30 episodes. So my call to action is go to the description of this episode. I'll leave the links mentioned in the episode. And also I'll leave a link where you can fill out an application like two or three, three questions there. And I'll either connect you to one of the mentors, mentors in my network, most of whom are, by the way, speakers of fundraising radio, or actually direct you to the investor. So take your time, fill out the applications, and take a look at the links left in the description of this episode. And as usually, have a good day.